0: Hello, Thread
1: Raiders. Thread Raiders. Thread
0: Raiders. Thread Raiders.
1: Thread Raiders. Thread Raiders. Thread Raiders.
2: Thread Raiders. Thread Raiders. Thread Raiders.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, freaks and geeks, one and all, welcome to the Thread Raiders podcast. What started as a small uprising on Twitter has turned into a movement to spread goodwill among all creators, with the occasional side quest for coffee and Danish. <laughs> 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 I love all the new add-ons, it's, it's funny. Uh, I am your host, David Steele, from thesteeleemperor.com, with our fellow hosts...
2: Chaotic Anarchy, from Thread Raiders.
1: And I am Grizzwix, also from Thread Raiders. Hey, look, so you guys are from somewhere this time.
2: Yeah. (laughs) We wanted a fancy title too, Dave. I love it.
0: (laughs) You notice how I left that in last podcast? (laughs) You I "Uh, did. That's it. (laughs) That was funny. I had fun with it. Anyway. So on this episode, we have great things for you. We have an awesome interview with the creator of the Retroverse. Am I saying that right? Yeah.
2: I prefer to call him Lord of the Retroverse.
0: Lord Chris (laughs) Locks (laughs) Nickelbach. All of us, <laughs> we honor the. We have some great news segments brought to you by our anchor newsman Grizz, yeah, the one yep. and only, the mighty Grizzwick. And then we have some cool obsessions, of course. And all this brought to you by Tabletop Loot, our sponsor, the sponsor of all good things dice, and they have other things than dice too. I was checking out their website, right? Oh yeah, yeah have they the, have t-shirts the cups now. And the t-shirts, yeah, man. That's awesome. And I noticed, too, we're going to be talking about a game of the week. And, Grizz, are we doing Knights of the Old Republic too? We are, is yes. That what I
1: see? We're going retro this week. Because- oh, say no more. I love
0: Knights of the Old Republic, so we will wait until we talk about that. And a question for you, Arden, what's in the box segment? Is this our follow-up from last week's uh, Chaotix box in the box? It, it is. is. It is, yes. Fantastic.
2: Yeah, leaving you all in suspense still this week.
0: I love it. I mm-hmm. love it. We are controlling transmission. Well, let's get started. Let's jump right into the news.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As part of our retro theme this week, uh, we decided to do some old school news stories. And so I thought to myself, well, how far back should I go? And I thought 50 years is a really nice number. So I went back to 1968. (laughs) And it turns out that April this week in April in 1968 was quite possibly the worst week in American history. We had some of the most depressing and soul-crushing news, okay? The assassination oh the assassination of Martin Luther King was chief among a slew of news stories. Bad news from the war in Vietnam. It was a really bad week, okay? But there were three good news stories. Fun Happy news stories that got <laughs> washed away by the Griswicks found them. Yes, and I dug them out. So <laughs> here we go. News story number one: The Beatles started Apple Records. This was something that uh, you know was completely missed, more or less, in the in the you know slew of news stories that came out this week. Quick, um, what's your
2: favorite Beatles song?
1: My favorite Beatles song, yeah, mm-hmm. is uh, it's got to be Hey Jude, probably. Yeah.
0: Hmm. First one that pops in my mind I don't know if it's my favorite But Let it be Let it be There
3: you go let it be. Don't sing
1: they'll, they'll mute us or something <laughs> 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 They'll be a, they'll, We'll be in court Get on down And party So the Beatles began Apple Records um, Originally in 1967 They wanted to uh, You know Create a label For their films that they wanted to do, um, and specifically for the movie Magical Mystery Tour, Mm -hmm. Um, and then they officially filed in this week in 1968, their first EP, which was known as Apple One, uh, not very creative, but that's okay, uh, was supposed (laughs) to be Hey Jude, but they were still under contract with Capitol Records. So instead, Ringo Starr called Frank Sinatra and asked him to sing a special song to his wife, Maureen, for her birthday.
2: Quick, what's your favorite Frank Sinatra song? Uh, it's your favorite. You should have oh, one.
0: Man, gosh. Oh, I mean New York, New York is the one everybody knows. But I, there's yeah. another one I like. um What is the, the one?
1: summer like? wind <laughs> came blowing in, Blowin in from across the uh, sea.
0: It's got to be that one. Oh, Funny Valentine, I think is
1: my probably my favorite.
2: Oh, that is a good
1: one. Ooh. Lesser song. That's number five. What? Oh, <laughs> that's number five on my list.
0: Uh, the way you look tonight was a big hit uh, when I DJed weddings. Aww, people love getting up and dancing. That is
2: a to that. good one. I really like My Way.
0: Yeah, a lot of people like mm-hmm. that. My Way's good. A, my lo- way's a lot of a lot of uh, very strong-willed people like that. My way, screw everybody else. <laughs> I did it my way. <laughs>
2: yeah, I like the new version by Chase Hoffelder. He does a great. version Say what? Of who? It. Uh, Chase Hoffelder. (laughs) And who is that? He's on YouTube. What he does is he takes all the songs that are in a major key and switches them to minor key so they sound really creepy. It's awesome.
1: That's insane. I know. Stop it. That is interesting. (laughs) Almost
0: sounds like an obsession. No, I said insane, not interesting.
1: Insane in the brain. (laughs) So anyway, uh, you know- (laughs) The Beatles came out with a bunch of tracks. Um, Mary Hopkins was on there. Jackie Lomax sung a song called Sour Milk Sea. Uh, that's a classic. And uh, Black Dyke Mills Band uh, came out with a song called Thingamabob. <laughs> all of these were <laughs> singles. They were all B-sides. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Mary Hopkins song was on the B-side of Turn, Turn, Turn by the Birds. They had some other sor- f- other big-name artists that signed with them, including James Taylor and uh, Billy Preston. So, you know, yeah. uh, Apple Records was... Pretty interesting. They did not actually... So the way that it works in the record industry is that the record company doesn't actually own the song. It owns the record, which is kind of weird. So they own the oh. rights to the record and the sound on the record, not the song itself. Interesting. All wow. those songs were still owned by Capitol Records and another company in in the UK. And the song ownership is probably more powerful, right? It is. And as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. uh, little known fact, so Michael Jackson actually bought the vast majority of the Beatles yeah. songs. Yeah. How yeah, you hear that. Um, yeah. and, and that was actually- So who owns
0: them now? Does, he, does since, his- His still estate still owns them, yeah. Yeah, still own them. Um, hey, quick, uh, quick aside, since we're going retro. Sure. You would mentioned the name Billy Preston. Yep. Uh, the singer, songwriter. Uh, known for his huge afro back in the day. Yeah, he was. My dad had a story. that He was in an elevator. He was in Atlantic City when he was performing there. And uh, he got in the elevator by himself. Elevator stopped and Billy Preston walks on with his uh, security guard. Our bodyguard. And he said this thing, this afro was so big, he had to back up into the corner. <laughs> it, it was, it was insane. He's like, when you're next to it in person, it was like, it filled up the whole freaking elevator. It was so funny. That's awesome. Anyway, that it. is awesome. Yeah.
1: And finally, uh, And this is kind of a stretch, but I'm going for it. Anthony Michael Hall, Breakfast Club fame, was born this week in 1968. He's uh, famous for all the Breakfast Club stuff. So that's 16 Candles, Weird Science, The Breakfast Club. Mm -hmm. He also played Rusty on the original National Lampoon's Vacation. Yeah, He was in the (laughs) movie Edward Scissorhands. And uh, he was the lead character in USA Network's Dead Zone. Yes. For those of you who watched that, he played Johnny Smith. Uh, also, Tupac's friend Stretch was born this week. Side note. Don't know Stretch. <laughs> yeah, well, he's, that's quite a stretch. He's thinking. on a lot yeah, of just, just to... <laughs> It was a stretch. Yes, that's that's very funny. Very funny. <laughs> stretch was on a couple of Tupac's albums and songs, but Tupac—that's a very dark chapter. So I didn't want to go down that route. Very
2: very dark. Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, that's the news. <laughs> So, now we're going to do this week's interview. Uh, we're meeting up with Chris Locke, who is an amazing friend of the pod. Uh, Chris and his co-creator, U.I.S. Uh, uh have started a Kickstarter to raise money for their tabletop expansion world known as the Retroverse. And we're Woo! going to ask him a little bit about it. So, uh, first off, let's start off with the most obvious question. Uh, what is a Snickel Socks, and how does it differentiate itself from a more traditional sock, like an Argyle or a White Sock?
0: Uh, I'd
4: say that Snickel Socks is definitely the most introverted of all socks. Um, <laughs> And the the best thing about Snickle socks is that you don't ever have to worry about a Snickle socks. It's never going to like betray you or anything because it's a
2: loyal uh, Snickle socks. Okay. Yeah,
4: the the Snickle socks. It's um, it's it's so happy that uh, you would <laughs> choose it in the morning that Aww. it's it's never going to like. It's going to do its best not to let you down. Now, occasionally, I mean, like all socks, uh, Snickle socks will eventually tear, and uh, you'll have to take it out in the back, and you know put it down and then replace your snickle socks yeah (laughs) so the I'd say the the main difference is the loyalty within a snickle socks and uh, beyond that it's all just aesthetic you know
1: so basically when you say introverted sock do you mean it's mostly in the shoe yeah Okay. It doesn't. It
4: doesn't like to. It doesn't like to go out too much. It does occasionally. If you if you take a Snickle socks to a party, like it will go because it appreciates your friendship and it, it would uh you know like to continue that. But it's probably gonna just hide in your shoe the whole time.
1: It's got the <laughs> reinforced toe to really help you out in the in the the tough times of life. Yeah, you know, and it's
4: actually like it's pretty flamboyant if you uh, if you get it drunk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Now, it's my understanding that you're a father of two, is that correct?
4: That is true. I don't know where you heard this rumor, but I will confirm it.
1: So that means that you are the proud owner of two Snickle Booties, right? Exactly.
2: <laughs> How
1: long you been holding on to that joke, son? <laughs> Just one in the chamber. It's always sitting there.
4: <laughs> That's beautiful. That's... Um... Yeah, the the Socks thing is weird uh, because a so an old high school crush back in the day called me Snickle Fritz, and I thought that's sort of a fun thing, and it's it has something to do with I don't know her Russian friend and a cat. I don't remember the exact story.
1: It's it's but, copyright protected. Wow. Yeah, I could see where you would want to change it.
4: Yeah, and it's just been that ever since, and it's I love it because nobody nobody ever has it, nobody ever takes that name. Um, but, and it's unique enough that people will remember it and you can trim it down so you can make it Snickle Socks or Snickle or Snick,
2: Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I call you Snickle. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: It's a very versatile name and I'm, I'm very happy with it. It also, apparently, according to, um, oh, Urban Dictionary for a while, Snickle was, uh. Well, when a man's using the restroom and he misses a little bit and that little splatter (laughs) that's on the, that's what snickle meant. And, uh, mm, I wasn't sure
2: memorable if you weren't before. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Now everyone's going to remember that. It's a story I'm going to wish I'd
1: never told. So they're yellow socks is basically what you're telling me. No purple. Oh, (laughs) Oh, okay. Good.
2: (laughs) So I hear you own your own retroverse.
4: Yes, I, well, I made it from scratch. I went out in the back and pulled out a little bit of uh, retro paraphernalia and a hammer and some nails.
2: Yeah, so what inspired this creation? What were the nails?
4: We, uh, Uise on Twitter, who is the artist on the Retroverse... Um, he was just putting out a bunch of cool art, and I really liked it. And so I was just uh, adding some flavor text to some of his art, and it wasn't the retroverse stuff yet, but it was it was really good art. Mm-hmm.
3: You
2: guys have
4: seen, Uisa, yeah, it's amazing.
2: incredible. Yeah, this
1: is Yui Sabedius, right?
4: Yes, he's he's just crazy, and I don't understand how he does what he does. I, I think that he's performing magic. I'm almost certain he is sacrificing <laughs> animals, and then art comes out. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's, uh, I mean, they've got, like, a, a goat deficit over there where he lives now because of all of the goats <laughs> he's had to sacrifice. <laughs> he's had to start sacrificing pigeons, and some of the art's coming out weird now. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, he was he was doing that, and I started adding some flavor text, and then he added, uh, he, he came out with the idea for, like, a, a neon, uh, like, with lizard folk paladin or something like that. And so I, uh, added some flavor text to that and people seemed to enjoy it a little bit. And then he made a neon dragon and people really dug that. And I sent out like 12 or 10 tweets or something like that. This was back when we still had 140 this is the
2: characters, Dragonborns, right? Is no,
4: this was just the literal neon dragon. Like the first, like the, he'd only made two pieces of art and this was the second one. And, uh, so I put some stuff up about uh, this, you know, alternate reality, maybe video game inspired stuff. And I don't remember who it was on Twitter, but they're like, so uh, are you making, is this a thing I can buy somewhere? Did you make this? <laughs> and we're like, uh, yes, yes, it is. And then, so I messaged <laughs> Luis a few minutes later. I was like, hey, I guess we work together now. And he's like, yeah, I think we do. And And that's how the retroverse was born.
1: So retroverse is a portmanteau, right, of retro and universe? Yeah. So what, how retro is your retroverse? And in a related question, assuming Einstein was right about the persistence of space-time, <laughs> isn't the retroverse just the inky dark void where your world once was?
4: So if we're using the word retro literally to mean that it is a uh, taking back to the beginning or taking back to another time, I'm not sure that the retroverse would be just an inky void, but it certainly would have more dinosaurs than we currently have.
1: (laughs) That's how retro it is? It's that far back?
4: It's at least that far back.
1: But also maybe
4: it also may be just um, like 30 years ago. You know, it depends... (laughs) thing about the retroverse. is uh, It's extremely difficult to define, and it took me almost all of the six months of development to finally reach a point where I feel like it is. It makes sense, and I can I can say it within like a sentence or two. It's an unstable plane. It intersects all other planes, and it grows uh, in size and shrinks in size all the time. So the retroverse um, is impossible to define exactly where it begins or ends because it is in all universes at any point in time so speaking
1: of weird stuff okay while i was doing research for this i came across an image that uh piques my <laughs> curiosity it is my understanding that in the retroverse there is a keytar small enough to fit in a fanny pack but powerful enough to stop a lich uh is that an accurate characterization of that particular device well, the problem is,
4: is that you're it's a it's a matter of scale. So the keytar is normal size. The fanny pack is gigantic.
1: Oh, I had it reversed. Oh, yeah, no, it so the, the the fanny pack is actually
4: closer to a backpack size, and you're able to uh, you know put a regular keytar in there. It's also a fanny pack of holding, which is essentially a bag of holding, except not for legal purposes. <laughs>
2: so is one of the pledges uh, like a keytar and a fanny pack?
4: I, it's a very, very good idea, and I'm going to write that down <laughs> to say maybe I'll, I'll make fanny packs. Um, I'm thinking keytar keychain. That that Ooh, would be pretty cool.
2: That's a good one.
4: Yeah, and that wouldn't be something that would be too cost prohibitive. We might be able to actually put... That's, that's actually a super cool idea. I'm uh, <laughs> making jokes here, but... Uh, I don't think it'd be too expensive to make a fanny pack and a keytar key chain. At least the keytar key chain. We might be able to get away with that.
2: So with the Kickstarter, what are some of the pledges you have going on?
4: Um, so we have a pretty good range. I mean, everyone at this point, uh, when this is released, everyone's seen sort of how it is. Um, our lowest tier is just being the tester. And... Uh, Hopefully, by the time this comes out, all of the like early bird subscriptions on that are already gone because there's not many of them. But I think you can get in and be a tester for 20 bucks, And what that gets you is every test wave, which we're going to have three to five, depending on how successful we are. Um, and it'll essentially get you all the content that you need to play within the Retroverse by the time it's all said and done. But the test waves are going to allow us to... Uh, test out the game, give you new content regularly, update the content that you already have, and uh, really work out all the kinks before we finally put it into an actual physical book, and then release that.
2: That's a smart idea.
4: Yeah, I, you know, I'm a brilliant scientist. What can I say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, for, uh, I don't want uh, my worry in this, and something I battled with for a very long time, was deciding exactly where the price range for this is because people were like, 20 bucks to test it, but then you're going to get several hundred pages worth of content for your $20. Like it won't be in a physical book. It'll all be PDF and you won't get the final book because the final PDF will require a bunch more editing and a bunch more, um, just time to put all the, like we want to make sure it's a good PDF with links and that sort of thing in there. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely you know, to, to make it a, a solid product to release, but still for, for, you know, the lowest tier being 20, like you're going to get some good stuff for it. It's not just going to be like, I spent $20 and now I've got 50 pages of content. Um, I think the first test wave we have right now that'll be released to backers of this tier and higher um, is 150 pages wow. already. So that's incredible. Yeah, and it's that's like maybe a tenth of what we would really like to make. Honestly, like the um, the stuff. If everything goes right, we're going to end up having. I think. 12 new classes, 10 new races, a bunch of feats, like a hundred new spells, uh, 75 new monsters. And some of those aren't hard numbers either, where I'm going to hit at least that. But like, if we have inspiration for another, you know, hundred monsters or so, we're just going to throw in everything that we can into this final product. Um, so it'll probably end up like, even though it says 75 monsters at the, if we hit all the stretch goals, it's like, nah, it'll, it'll probably be a little bit more than that. I I'm, i don't think I'll be able to stop my brain
1: um, from making new <laughs> Retroverse monsters. Now I'm guessing that, I'm guessing that Uise's stuff is probably not going to be in the testings, in the testing PDFs and things like that, right? The PDFs oh, his art? Sort of no, weird. absolutely. It's in there. Oh, really? Oh, oh wow. that's neat. Yeah.
4: Absolutely. I mean, if you do, if you took out all of U.S.'s art, we'd probably end up with, like, in that first test wave, like, 130 pages um, instead of 150, because there are some pages that are, especially like when you get to the monsters, it's like, half this page is art, um, right. you know, and so, yeah, no, absolutely, we're putting up all of his art and stuff in there as well. Like, we want every test wave to feel like you just went uh, to drive through RPG and bought a supplement like that you bought something really cool. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. The
4: Again, it was like it, I wrestled with it for a long time about what a fair price for that was. And I felt like 20 to get in on that was as fair as it could be. Um, now it goes up from there. I think our uh, final PDF, I think we're at 35. I'll have to double check. We're recording this beforehand and I'm not looking at the screen right now. Um, books are going to be um, 45 or 50. One or the other, and we're releasing two books. So to get both, you actually do get a discount if you buy them uh, both at the same time. But it's like it's ninety, I think, for both of them because one is the players mix, and the other one is the game master's beats. Players mix has all the races, all the classes, all that fun stuff in it. Game master's beats has a bunch of new mechanics. It has magic items, it has monsters, and it has a uh, a full campaign in it as well. That is awesome. Not going to be, so. We have two campaigns basically. We're making because in the first, in, in those test waves, we're going to be releasing story alongside it, like a a full mission. And um, some people have already played through like Drunky Cheesers, which is the first
3: uh, <laughs> first camp. <laughs> you know. It's
4: it's the first mission, and I'm trying to make each one of these uh, these missions last um, at least three sessions. Pro- three to four is like within the test wave. It should last three to four sessions for each test wave that we release. So again, we're trying to make it like, this is a solid product before we eat- we're not even close to done. And here you are getting some cool stuff. Yeah. Right.
2: You can't see it, but I'm currently counting money. I'm getting it down.
1: <laughs> I'm getting drunken cheesers tokens. <laughs> yeah. We're playing skee ball, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be
4: awesome. So the, that we have some really high ones like become a God or be an NPC within the world. Um, There's one of the higher ones is like uh, you'll get a third book. That's actually a, um, an art book. So it'll have all the sketches and original stuff that uh, both you East and I have worked on, like my original sketches for the maps, which are not very good as compared to what's actually in the book, what you East did. But um, you know, you'll get, all of, from the very beginning to the very end all of the art that we've worked on uh throughout this and uh so that's a that's a really fun one i hope people enjoy that one it's going to be really big though because like again uh the stuff that i've written so far i've written 80,000 were over 80,000 words at this point because i can still keep working on it just a normal novel size and that's again like a tenth Oh, what I actually want to put in there.
2: So you don't sleep then?
4: <laughs> no, no, I don't. I had that second child. I had the second Snickle Socks booty and uh, <laughs> then, then sleep was like, nah.
1: Snickle booty. Snickle booty. I worked very hard on this. Snickle yeah. booty.
2: Now, I have a lot of titles in the community and one of them is a mimic queen. And I noticed the other day that there was some art about mimics being in there. Is that so? Is it true?
4: Oh, absolutely. I'm going to put, like, tons of mimics in there. I love mimics.
2: Um, poo, you make my life so much better. (laughs) I'm so excited.
4: What I'm probably going to do, and and the plan that I have, is to add some retroverse-like exclusive mimics. You've seen the tire mimic. You've seen the uh, arcade machine mimic. But I'm probably going to add some additional rules, like, just mimic rules on how to modify basically anything within the retroverse to be a mimic. Because if you, if you read in the dungeon masters or the, I'm sorry, the monster manual, there's some, there's some cool stuff about mimics, but it doesn't really give you the, like, it doesn't give you the inspiration of what all can become a mimic. So I think I might make like a size chart versus like a, uh, you know, like a a health pool chart and a few things to be like, you know, if a coin is going to be a mimic, what how you know how much HP would it have what would its uh, challenge rating be what's a basic attack frame so I may just have like a mimic chart that I make
2: yay I'm all about it <laughs>
4: yeah I love mimics too it's so much fun I don't use them enough because I feel like people are always expecting them
2: mm-hmm.
3: so
4: I, I try to make them the last time I used a mimic it was a barrel and somebody stuck their hand in there because there was a bunch of swords in and well that hand did come back to them oh. Um <laughs> It wasn't attached Ouch. to them, but it did come back to them. <laughs> <laughs> they got it back. so
2: <laughs> That's rough. <laughs> yeah.
4: I like mimics.
2: Yes, me too. <laughs> I look forward to seeing all the mimics in your campaign. So you said that uh, Retroverse is for D&D 5e. Could it be used for other editions as well?
4: So uh, for legal purposes, it is for the fifth edition of the world's oldest role-playing game, Um, I'm not legally allowed to say, uh, those, those two letters with the, uh, you know, ampersand that you put in between them. Oh,
2: Uh, okay.
4: (laughs) So, uh, could it be used for other systems? Was that the question? Yes. Mm -hmm. I mean, yes. And we've had some thought on converting it to both like Pathfinder and Starfinder, um, However, Pathfinder is insanity, and I just don't know enough about it to be able to balance it properly.
2: There's a lot of rules to it, yeah.
4: Um, so, yeah, we we have thought about converting to other systems, but for now, because there's, oh, just so much to do, <laughs> we're, we're
2: going
4: to stick with 5e. <laughs>
2: So I noticed in the stream that you were on the Thread Raiders Twitch channel that everybody was super excited about the defragger class. But I noticed yes. on uh, the review for Drive Through that there might be a card welder option. What is that <laughs> going to be like? I've
4: uh, I've got some ideas and it's all just basic notes at this point. But um, pie in the sky if I'm able to actually do this. Uh, what I would love to do is actually to release a small deck of cards alongside like this is the physical rewards and this is how the class actually plays. Um, where they can only pick up a certain amount of cards, just you know the cards have too much power to wield or some other contrived reason. Um, and they play their character with the cards that they are given. So they get certain bonuses based on um, you know uh, their stats. Uh, like, having a higher intelligence would help in some ways. Having a higher strength would allow them to wield cards that are, like, stronger. Um, but their their basic class would be uh, designed around them actually using these cards that have, like, magic and monsters and uh, all sorts of other crazy kookiness on them. But they don't always get to decide what the cards
1: are. Right. You know? Is that kind of like a cross between a, a tarot card reader and a witch?
4: So I imagine it more like a, uh, some nerd playing magic, the gathering.
1: Uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we all know what that is.
4: Yeah. So uh, I would love for that class to actually work out. That's obviously going to require a ridiculous amount of balance to mm, make definitely. feasible, especially if people decide they want to start like multi-classing and that one's, I'm not sure that it would ever work with multi-classing. Um, but it would be really cool to, you know, at the table, like, yeah, you've got your character sheet, but you've also got a stack of physical cards right there that you can draw from to use your powers.
2: Now, is there a particular class that you favor?
4: Oh, everyone wants me to pick my favorite baby. I know. <laughs> <laughs> it, I waffle between currently because I've, I've been working on some cool stuff. And one of the classes, it, it's an it, original incarnation was the... Um, the techno Viking. And uh, I think it's evolved into something else. So I think the techno Viking is eventually going to be more like a barbarian, like tree line,
3: mm-hmm. or whatever
4: you call that. And, uh, or a path for the barbarian, which will give them some really cool abilities. But this one's evolved into more like a, uh, you know, avatar, the last airbender style okay. of class yeah.
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, in which you have a set of uh, like a, a set of points that you can buy into these different abilities to permanently change your character in one way or the other, and you can do that with the seven different elements uh, earth, air, water, fire, moon, blood, and the beat. Um, and so, you can create a very unique character this way that you know, you, ostensibly no two will be alike because there's uh, f- I think I'm gonna have like five to seven abilities within each tree. And you can mm-hmm. mix and match and make this crazy thing. Um, so that one I'm really enjoying right now, but it's not finished. It's not <laughs> anywhere close to finished because that's a really esoteric class to play.
2: And for the races, you have what's called like a, a Wanari. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes. Yes. They're that's wolf people with awesome. laser eyes. That is what I'm really excited about.
4: Yeah. they. Um, You know, wolf people is not necessarily such a super unique concept. Lycanthropes have been around forever, but I've tried to turn these into something different. I mean, one, they shoot lasers out of their eyes based on their uh, different, (laughs) like the different branching parts of those races as well. Like the, the lasers actually change. So my favorite one and the one that I think people might play with the least, but I like it a lot, is that one of them doesn't shoot like a damaging laser. They just use their eyes like laser targeting. And then they gain like advantage on uh, uh, ranged attacks for a round, so it's a fun way to sort of augment the way that that you can play. And I just think that laser targeting with eyes is just super cool.
2: And I think it's interesting that they have a short lifespan and that they yeah. pick up things really quickly.
4: Yeah, that's the other thing about them is like their max lifespan is maybe sixty years at best. Um, and so when they when they're born, like it's it's move, it's time to go, yeah. which sort of flies in the face of a lot of people that like to play tabletop role playing games, mostly sort of like meander about, because even humans like the shortest lived of all of them can live up to like a hundred. So what's the rush, you know, but, you know, they could spend, you know, uh, a day or two just, you know, farting around in the inn and, and trying to pick up, you know, anybody that goes through the door with their bardic songs as bards like to do. Mm -hmm. But, um, a wonari's like no man we got things to do i'm gonna die soon
2: (laughs) well what i really love about the classes and the races that you created is that it makes the characters more complex it's not you're just a bard you are so much more than that it's almost like reading a story in a way and it, it really helps with the character creation i think it helps the dm too create like an amazing world i think it's very impressive
4: well, thank you. I, I genuinely appreciate that feedback. And I've gotten that a little bit uh, recently is from the people that have seen the full um, first test wave. They're like, this is kind of like a book. This is more like a book than a rule book, but it also has all the rules too. And uh, people have told me, they told me that like I, they were skimming through it and then they stopped themselves and went back to the beginning and started over. And that's, awesome that's really high praise and like the tiny the little kid inside of me uh, is like screaming like they liked your stories (laughs) (laughs) they like them you should be happy and I'm like I am but also so so nervous at this point
2: (laughs) you should be proud you have an amazing product
4: (laughs) thank you I appreciate that Um, but yes I really do want to write more story within the retroverse stuff um i don't want to have like a ton of lore because only a small percentage is really going to care about lore Uh, but to have small vignettes within every little bit of it and to have stories be told uh in between the descriptions of a like a like a pizza slime i think there's like a little bit of lore in there about like how it was a practical joke the first time it was created Mm -hmm. um and I, I really like telling stories in between descriptions is one of my favorite things to do. And it's something I'm going to try to do a lot within this because some of my favorite stuff in the um, player's handbook um, for Dungeons and Dragons is like those little things they tell you right before the class mm-hmm, or yeah. right before the race. I'm like, I want more of th- Tell me this. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they have the benefit of having, Uh, hundreds and hundreds of books released at this point uh, under, like, Dragonlance and, uh, you know, Dritz Durnum or whatever, you know, everything under the Underdark, all that sort of stuff. Um, You know, so they've already... They've got that stuff that you can go back to, and I don't have any of that stuff, so... (laughs) (laughs) i got to make all that.
1: Well, Chris let me tell you man this has been a great interview and listeners i just want to tell you that despite what you may have heard in this interview we love all snickle classes evenly okay? <laughs> you do not pick favorites here uh the retroverse kickstarter has been up for the past couple of days um for those of you who don't know uh you can uh, find it on all of our twitter accounts because we're all going to be uh, promoting it uh all regularly until the thing is over Uh, Also, you can just go to Kickstarter and type in Retroverse, that's R-E-T-R-O-V-E-R-S-E. And most importantly, you can find it on their website, which is lasersandliches.com. Liches is spelled L-I-C-H-E-S. And Chris, do us a favor, uh, tell you, Weiss, that we said hello and that we wish him well trying to come up with all of the illustrations that are going to be needed for this massive project.
2: Oh, yeah. And you He's can find insane. them both on Twitter as well.
1: That's right. Uh, yes, uh, you can find uh, Chris on Twitter at Snickle Sox, uh That's S-N-I-C-K-E-L-S-O-X. And Yuis uh, Abedas, which is at Uis Abedas, double L-U-I-S-A-B-A-D-I-A-S. And Chris, I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Yes, thank you so much for thank joining so, us. Thank
4: you so much for having me along. I really appreciate it. If you go sure. to the website, though, make sure that you check out the fan art stuff. Because, yes, Uisa's stuff is crazy, but we're also mm-hmm. getting a bunch of other crazy stuff in now, too, from just really talented people. And I just want to, like, sort of push that out there. Like, go check out their stuff, too, because it's really cool, and they deserve your support.
1: It's mostly kitar related <laughs> There's a lot of guitars, surprisingly. <laughs> it's promo time hey ca
2: yes Griswicks.
1: what is my favorite thing in the world mm,
2: scrapple and spam sandwiches
1: all right what's my second favorite thing in the world uh felicia day she is the unsung hero of a generation i no longer like this game <laughs>
2: honey what's on your mind
1: what's square and sneaky and one of my favorite things in the world
2: Is it a surprise mystery box that clearly contains something awesome, yet you don't know what it is until you open it?
1: Boom! Nailed it!
2: I had a hunch.
1: Well, did you know that our presenting sponsor this week, Tabletop Loot, is now offering a mystery box service where they send you special gifts that you can use in your tabletop game.
2: Really? Tell me more!
1: Thank you, I will. It's called the Tabletop Loot Box, Monthly, quarterly, or half-quarterly...
2: That word is biannually.
1: ...or half-quarterly, you can have a secret surprise shipped to your shop, ship, or shack.
2: Nice alliteration.
1: (laughs) Thank you, again. (laughs) Inside is a bunch of cool stuff for your D&D and Pathfinder campaign, but you won't know what until after it arrives.
2: So it's like, what's in the box? But for realsies.
1: Exactly. Listeners, head on over to tabletoploot.com and sign up for your mystery delivery today. Tabletop loot, loot for every table.
2: And now, back to the show.
1: Very nice,
0: excellent. All right, what's up next? Are we into our obsessions?
2: obsession? Obsession. Obsession. Uh, for Thread Raiders. Uh, yeah. So there's a
1: brand new TV show out uh, called Columbo. I love really, how you
2: can hear the smile. Really,
1: really interesting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Columbo is played by an actor named Peter Falk and he's this quirky, really short guy who wears a trench coat um, and he solves crimes. He's a detective. And whatever, what? excuse me, whatever. What, um... <laughs>
0: stop laughing at my
1: errors. Uh, what,
0: uh, what really popular... I hope I'm getting this right, my uh, trivia. What popular movie, very popular movie, is he in a small part where he actually reads a bedtime story?
2: I know it. Go for it, Princess Bride.
0: Yes. Ah. Yeah. He reads the bedtime story to the kid, telling him the Princess Bride story. Mm -hmm. Yes. Go ahead.
2: Go on, beautiful. Proceed.
1: You're sick. I'll hear you. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, it's a three-hour show where Columbo um, solves a crime, but he does so in a very interesting way. Uh, He uh, tricks the bad guy basically into either confessing or making a mistake. And the whole time he's like nudging them and doing weird stuff in order to aggravate him or her, whoever it is, and then the person eventually screws up, and Columbo says, "Aha, gotcha." And it is a very interesting show, and it, one of my favorites, um, I own a couple of DVDs. That's my obsession.
0: You see you up?
2: I am. So my obsession is haunted houses. I must spend about 200 to 300 dollars. Every October on Just Haunted Houses Alone.
0: Wow. Just visiting.
2: I do. Um, I've done Terror Behind the Walls, Penhurst Asylum, Shocktoberfest, Sleepy ah. Hollow, you name it. I'm there. <laughs> those,
1: those kind of haunted houses.
2: Yes, more attractions.
1: Gotcha. I thought you broke into actual haunted, you know, shut down mansions or something like that. <laughs> I
2: have, but that's illegal, so we can't
1: talk oh, about. Oh, we're that. not talking about that. <laughs> Disclaimer. Well, I thought the two hundred dollars was like bail money or fines ah, for ah, trespassing. No. Okay.
2: <laughs> I've never been caught. We're good.
1: Kids, <laughs> don't try this at home.
2: No. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I love them. It just, there's something about the adrenaline rush that I just sure. really dig. And the haunted hay rides are awesome. And I like the, the feeling. Like it's my favorite season as well. So you have that October fresh, crisp air, and you're getting mm-hmm. you know, candied apples and fried Oreos. And oh, it's so much fun. I love it. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah, it is fun for me to, to, that when the coolness comes, uh, the first frost, that kind of thing. I yeah. went to a
1: haunted house one time, but it had a hay ride, like a haunted hay ride before it. And yep. it turns out that I'm allergic to hay. So oh, geez. then oh. it was like triple scary because I couldn't open my eyes. And so people oh were coming at me God. from all directions. It was horrific.
2: Yeah, I'm allergic to hay too, but I take medication yeah. for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to roll around in it. Chris. No. no. <laughs> now, did it hit it's you? I'm bad. I have bed allergies as well. Did it hit you right away, like right when you got in?
1: No, it's one of those things where when you first get into the haunted house, I was like, "Oh man, this is really great. And when I got out of the haunted house, I was like, <laughs>
0: yes, can't breathe. Oh my God. I hear that. I'm bad too with that. Horses, cats, and hay, like that's, that'll just kill me if I get near it. Mm-mm. My obsession is, and this is the one of those really bugs me obsession. It's not something I like. Sure. Uh, the movie theaters, I love movies, okay? love. I'm a big theater buff. I love seeing, I mean, I can, you know, you have Netflix and home stuff is great for home now. You know, you can get the giant TVs, but there's nothing like a big movie theater for me for like a big movie that's made for the sound and the, you know, talking like a Star Wars movie or Lord of the Rings, kind of big giant for the big uh, big screen. It's amazing how beautiful it is. But (laughs) my one gripe is, well, I have a couple gripes actually, but the one I'm going to talk about today (laughs) is... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> cell phones, this new dang stupid thing that should be left at the front gate when you come into a theater. People are so friggin' rude and ignorant. How dare you open that cell phone while you're sitting in front of me and that white of screen is in my face. I want to lose my mind, okay? Yeah, and a lot,
2: I, mm-hmm. a lot of people do it. A lot of people do it. And
0: it makes me insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, why am I... Am I the only one on the planet that thinks this? Cause I don't know how all these people can do it. How can you blatantly be sitting there checking your Facebook stats? I actually look, I lean over and look. I'm like, wow, really? Facebook, Twitter, I, I say something to them. You can't this wait till after the movie? Why'd you come to the movies? It's, it's insane.
2: Yeah, and they have like 80 advertisements in the beginning that tell you to turn oh, your cell yeah, phone off don't. for that exact yeah, reason because yeah. it does bother people. And yeah. they are
0: so ignorant and rude. They don't care. That's, it drives me insane. It drives me insane. And, and if you have a phone call, I hear a ring, or even if that's something you jump up and run out. I've done that. That's fine. You run out. Like I have my stuff on mute, but it vibrates. Mm-hmm. So if it if, if vibrates once, I ignore it. If it vibrates a bunch of times, oh, maybe somebody's really trying to get a hold of me, I'll step out and I'll look at it. But I'll never open my phone in the theater. That white bright light is, is like, it's like a spotlight in your face when you're in a dark theater. Mm-hmm. So,
1: The least know. they what, should do is go into the back with the movie pirates and sit back there. Yeah, that's Hard. fine. I don't mind. Yeah, go with the pirates. What Hard. do you think about like a cell phone <laughs> section of the theater, which is encased in glass? Oh my
0: God, right? Yeah. I love it. That's a great idea.
2: Yeah, you should recommend oh, that, guys. Nice.
0: <laughs> Some sort of least, like yeah, noise if buffering. If you're going to do that, sit in the, in the first, in the back row. I mean, come on, man. Ugh. I don't know. It's just, it's one of those things where there's just ignorance. Ignorance is my kryptonite. And when people do
1: things that just don't think of other people, uh, well, just, and I, I lose it. One of the things is that, you know, we kind of live in this society where we're all massively obsessed with whatever's happening on our phone. And we feel yeah, like sure. we have to be connected 24 hours a day. And I remember the last time I went to an Eagles game, I can't tell you the number of people who weren't watching the game. They were yeah. recording the game. Yeah. and And, you know, just... Not even to prove that they were there. It just is this instinct that we have now where everything that we do, we have to record to prove that we did it to somebody else later because we're all these actors, which is weird. It's very weird. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's
2: yeah. the kicking of the back of the seat. That drives me nuts. in the movie. Well, yeah. I
0: love these new theaters. Do you have the big seat theaters now with the... The recliners, do you yeah, have they're
2: uh, yeah, they're adding them now to the Neshaminy movie theater. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so the, all the ones around me have have, have, have those now, and they're amazing because you have a plenty of walkway. You can mm-hmm. lay them all the way out, so there's none none of that anymore. No well, I think like
2: there's theaters like the Tavern where you can sit and you can actually lean back, and you know you have the footrest that's in front of you, and they bring you food. That's pretty cool too.
1: Yeah, amazing. Mm-hmm. For me, oh, amazing. it's butter. Why can't I have more butter? <laughs> like, why can't I have more theater? butter? You're telling I mean, me that we can you're gonna run out of butter? To <laughs> butter. You're gonna run out of butter. That's your story. <laughs> I find
0: that ridiculous. And look at me thinking I have problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am very, very excited. If you haven't noticed from the beginning of the show, our intro of this next segment, the game of the week.
3: I was thinking,
1: you know, because we're trying to do this retro thing, I was trying to think of, you know, like, what game do I really want to talk about from the past? Maybe it's like an old Atari game or something like that, but really, my favorite game of all time, the greatest game that I've ever played, was Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, colon, The Sith Lords
2: he's not joking this is really one yeah. of his favorites
1: love this game it's a yeah. 30 hour role playing like game months
2: of not seeing him <laughs> yeah <laughs> I,
1: I mean just
0: I love them both mm-hmm. I mean Knights of the Old Republic it just changed everything yeah I love it
1: yeah Um. I just happen to like the second one a little bit better even though it was better sure. the game was released not finished um, but still it is it is an excellent game and I love it Um. For those of you who have never played it, um, it was a game that was based off of the original Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, a game that was done by BioWare. Now, BioWare is famous for all of the dialogue that they put into their game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of hours and, and multiple paths and you know, different options and things like that that you can take that customize the game for you the second game was actually done by another company called obsidian entertainment and basically what they did was they took bioware's idea and decided you know we're going to do the exact same thing but with a sequel um, they had a couple of new mechanics in terms of force powers that you could use these are star wars you know games, so you can use force lightning where you're shooting it out of your hands or you can you know uh, pull somebody towards you you can hurl your lightsaber and it goes out and spins and then comes back to you you know, there's all kinds of great action um, in addition to the dialogue that really makes the game amazing. You know, uh, it just is, it's a game that I have played on so many different occasions, you know, and it's it's not a short game. It's like 30 hours, you know, even if you know what you're doing and you've min-maxed it, and you know exactly what your build's going to be. You know, it just is a game that, uh, I, you know, I love. I think it's great. And they did like, um, I'm just trying to think, they did Neverwinter Nights, uh, which is based on D&D. Yeah, and I thought uh-huh.
2: that was really good. Yeah, yeah. and that yeah, was a good... Sure. That's
1: an MMORPG, uh, which was really yep. good. So, yeah, BioWare has a long history. But then, you know, Obsidian, they were very faithful to what BioWare was trying to do. So it is a, a very, a truly a good, a good sequel. Now, I did yeah. mention that um, it was not finished. There are sections of the game where, when you're going along, there's an obvious door sitting there that is closed that you can't open. And you may wonder yourself, why is that? Well, so... Originally when the game was being produced, they took a rather a long time to get it done and people, you know, companies like Microsoft and EA were like, hey, you know, we're trying to get yeah, this out want there. They wanted it rushed out, yeah. They wanted it rushed. So, mm-hmm. Obsidian decided, well, we'll just close off certain sections that aren't done and that'll be the end of it. Mm-hmm. But the information's still on the disc. So, it turns out that people have gone back and they've actually unlocked the stuff that was locked and then filled in the blanks, you know, to finish up the dialogue and things like that. So, nice. you can go on a Steam and download the bonus content for Star Wars: Knights of the Old Republic 2, and you can play the entire game. Let's
2: go! Let's go! Let's
1: do it! More Shut or less, up. the way that Obsidian <laughs> wanted. It All right, got to be end the
2: podcast now, Dave. <laughs> oh my god!
1: Oh well, I'm calling out of work. I and now we have next week's <laughs> obsession. Holy Shut up! Now I got to go back and play it. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's at least a, It's at least a decade old. So yeah, yeah you, you have to kind of picture it. it came out for the Xbox, the original Xbox, the first Xbox, not Xbox One. Hey, speaking of box. Hey, Grizz. Yes, sir. What's
2: in the box? What's in the box? What's, What's, in, the in, the box? Box? <laughs> What's in the box?
1: Segway. I love it. It was seamless. <laughs> Actually, Come on. it's my
2: box. Can I describe my box?
0: Ooh, yes, you can describe
1: your box. You're going to describe yes. your box Wait, after let me turn I tell Wait, my you... camera on. on. <laughs> There's a story. <laughs> <laughs> So now is the time for What's in the Box, which is our segment where I present a standard um, D&D scenario to my co-hosts and they attempt to answer uh, the question of, you know, what kind of loot uh, can be found in the box at the end of the scenario. So here we go. A piercing alarm rakes the stacks inside the Aldsberger library as a fleet of kidnapped street urchins blast through the hitherto alarmed front door in a mad dash for freedom. Yay. As you peel yourself up off the floor and brush off dozens of tiny, dusty footprints, and with only minutes <laughs> to spare before the library is invaded by a horde with the, uh, of the elite spearmen from the Orkish Guard, you search the immediate area, seeking anything of value that will justify this unexpected side trip on your expense report. It is then that you spy in the middle of the humid and child-stanked prison <laughs> behind the architecture section of the library... An old, but serviceable, oaken box covered in hieroglyphics. The mm-hmm. primitive locking mechanism, intricate enough only to thwart 60 to 70 half-starved utes, is no match for your dexterous fingers. My question for you is this. What's in the box?
2: Well, I believe oh. you put your hand on the box last time. I did. And it was warm.
1: Much to my chagrin. Yes. Are you going to open the box? to deny it. You want me to open the box?
2: Well, you don't have to. Do you want to open the box? Well you have to open the box so people know what's do in it.
1: it. <laughs> it. Alright, I open the box. Do do <laughs> so as you open the
2: box, you start to feel sad on the inside. And all of a sudden you feel searing pain throughout your body. The world goes black. And you wake up to see Dave standing above you.
1: <gasps> I anticipated this. I anticipated this last week.
2: You feel a part of you is missing. The dark side of you is gone. And now you find out that your soul has been ripped into two. And the dark side is within the box. Dun, dun, dun.
1: dun, so dun is that dun, good or bad? Can you live without your dark side?
0: Hmm.
1: I want my pain. I need my pain. <laughs> hmm. It's a Star Trek joke. <laughs> We're going total nerd on this one.
2: <laughs> so now you're in the box.
0: I'm half in the box. I'm wondering, yeah, could you live without your your dark side?
1: Would You, you could. Too... You just would be very boring.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I figured right? it would be interesting if it changes your alignment in the game.
1: No one would ever invite you to parties. <laughs> Plus, you'd have to run around with a box about the size of a pizza. <laughs> Explained to uh, pizza. The rest of me isn't here.
0: <laughs> wow.
2: So that's what's in the box.
0: Now, what happens if someone else opens this box?
2: Are you going to open the box?
1: Did you ever oh see Aladdin?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> 10,000 years I'll give you such a crick in the neck
2: Here, <laughs> everywhere
0: That's right So are we all opening the box? Do we have to open it?
2: Oh no, you don't have to open the box That was it
1: We can leave Grizz in there?
2: <laughs> yeah Unless Grizz yeah. wants to do something else with the box That was all
1: I'm okay with it It's just a mm-hmm. dark version of me inside the box Going, hey <laughs> <laughs> There's no pizza in here
2: Yeah, I thought it'd be cool if somebody was, let's say, chaotic, evil, and then their evil side went into the box, then it would change their alignment to something else.
0: For
1: sure. Mm -hmm. Well, the tricky part is, so now what about the rest of the crew? Because if you have an entire group who has a dark alignment, and they're all working together for a nefarious purpose, and then all of a sudden you convert one of them to good, how does that work?
2: Exactly, you it just causes chaos within it. the game.
1: Ooh. Of course it does, of course it does.
2: <laughs> you know,
0: what, this reminds me of one of those segue times because a good question that I've heard, good versus evil. Should Dungeon Masters dictate alignment for the entire group prior to playing or let the players decide for themselves?
1: I So my personal opinion is that during your session zero, this should be one of the topics that you discuss. This, yeah. you know, we're going to have a game And I want all of you not fighting with each other, but operating as a party. So pick one, good or evil, and then be it.
2: I've played several different ways. Um, I've played in campaigns where they don't use the alignments at all. You're either a good person or a bad person, and you just role play as your character, how you see them. I've played where you have picked an alignment and people are pretty hardcore set where you have to be this way. And if you, you know, decide to change your character in any way out of that alignment, then it's like a serious thing and you have to go back and modify it, which was really difficult. Yuck. Um, But I heard that there's a way to play where you can actually just be your character. And as you play the game, it it basically defines you and your alignment in the future. So you may start off as like chaotic neutral, but based upon your decisions, you might move up the line in alignment by doing something yeah. else. And I thought that was rather interesting. I haven't played yeah. that way yet.
0: Yeah, and there's some cool video games that do that. Where yeah. they, I kind of mm-hmm. like those where you start out and as you your choices you make and the decisions you, uh, or right. the, the uh, like dialogue Fable. you pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Knights no, so of the yeah. Old Republic was like that. That's yeah. right. And uh, chooses how, it affects how you're going to be. Yeah, me personally, too. I, um, I I would like to let people pick what they want. But at the same time, it matters if I'm doing something on Roll20, if I'm doing a pre-made campaign. It matters if it's going to be an open world thing. I don't want... I've never played, I should say, because uh, I'm leery of it. I've never played with someone that is chaotic evil. Chaotic evil, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never played with anybody like that because I don't think I want that. Um, because that would be a little too much. No one to wants one that, edge. yeah. And, and so, yeah, I mean, but it could be cool in a game, especially one of those darker games, you know, with the with, with uh, vampires, like the Masquerade thing and all. So I could see that happening, but I'm a little leery of that because I it could affect other players as well. Um, when somebody is really playing, it, if they're playing it for
1: real, going uh, that dark. Did you, you ever plus see the? Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you ever see the movie Armageddon? Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. So Steve Ducci's character. He was the chaotic evil one who was going bananas because he had space madness. Mm. Well, there's a reason why they duct taped him to a chair, okay? It's funny for about 30 seconds, and then after that, you're just annoying everyone. So he was stuck on the ship for the next 20 minutes, and nobody talked to him until he made his next one-liner. And that's the problem with chaotic evil. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I've always wanted to try out an evil character, but a lot of DMs will not welcome it to the table. Yeah. so i i'm doing a, a play test for dark souls rpg and i'm playing an evil character in it because it really goes in well with the environment and it is quite difficult to play an evil character and the people i'm playing with in the play test they are not evil and that balance is really tough yeah to keep it a good game without yeah. really annoying or you know yeah, stepping yeah. on you know everybody else's parade so
0: and i know when i role play um i try to get into the character and i know if I if I am have a little attitude or I go one way, people actually, like, hate you. Like, and it, be, it, yeah. it yeah. carries
1: out of the game. It it's does, like, I'm, yeah. that's not
0: really me. Well, I I'm can't tell you really the number not. of
1: videos that I've seen on YouTube that talk about, you know, paladin versus sorcerer and, yeah. you know, how they could never be on the same team and et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, you know, you have to find a way. A paladin can't always be good. You got to find a way to have some sort of fallen paladin situation, you know, and just sure. make it happen. But yeah, that yeah. requires the you know uh, session 0 you know yeah, before you good. start the game sit down and say hey you know this is what we want to do and you know if you're going to be a paladin it's got to be this or if you're going to be a sorcerer yeah. it's got to be that
0: all right that's awesome i like that question i couldn't i couldn't wait to uh, <laughs> go over that and that was perfect timing for that how about that yeah did you do that on purpose cuz you set that up i'm well. telling you we got this segue going <laughs> baby <laughs> top professionalism right here mm. all right well that's all i got uh, anything else you guys want to add? I think we're good. We hope you enjoyed the interview, the wonderful uh, Chris Locke yeah. from Retroverse.
1: Good guy, man. And he's doing really well on his Kickstarter, so be sure to check it out because there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, like the pledge rewards and things like that, and they're going fast because some of them are pretty yeah. limited. And a- they Chris are limited. was on
2: yep. System Spotlight recently for the Thread Raider show um, held by... System
1: Spotlight? Who is that?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: is that a part of the Thread Raiders group?
2: It is. It's a new Thread Raider show.
0: <laughs> and who would be on that show?
2: It has time. Daquan Game Army and Kanthanos, I believe is how you pronounce it. That's TK. Kanthos. Kanthos. Who we will have on the show actually next week.
1: That's right. Yay.
2: Yeah. So if you guys want to see the system spotlight with Chris, it's an interview about his um, Kickstarter that he has out now, Retroverse. Uh, you can actually look it up on the YouTube channel for Thread Raiders.
0: Amazing. Mm-hmm. Excellent. And there will be links uh, in the show notes, of course. Yep. So that's really cool. You can just go down there and click on them to check them out. Um, Anything else before we get to our closing dates coming up? I think that's it. What's coming up? Okay. Hey, um, just because we just talked about it, let's mention Gen Con. So that's um, the the first weekend in August. Gen Con. (laughs) Uh, Like I said, I will be DMing some games for Cobalt Press, and uh, you will be there doing your thing, hanging out and being CA, right?
2: Yeah, meeting everybody. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I have about a list of 15 people that we're going to be seeing and hanging out with
0: so exciting just to hang out and meet people.
2: I know. I can't wait.
0: Speaking of that, I have my writer for Arc City, our audio drama that we do, Steel mm-hmm. Empire. So we're going to meet up like we did last year. And then he suggested we do like a little... Um, Podcast interview and have a question and answer thing there. That's such a good idea. And then talking to you, we just I said, you know, hey, do you mind let let's let's put it out to the world, uh, the Twitterverse <laughs> and Facebookverse and uh, the TR world and uh, everybody listening to the show. If you want to come and meet us in person and you want to take part in our audio show, our uh, podcast, we're going to do a question Q and A live there. It'll be live at the time, of course, airing later, but it'll be a live question and answer. Um, where uh, CA will run the interview and be able to meet us and hang out. We might even go get some pizza afterwards,
2: see what happens. You know it. We're going to get pineapple pizza. That's what (laughs) we're going to (laughs) do.
0: Sounds good to me. Maybe I'll
2: even do some tabletop giveaways. Heck, there you Mm go. Free dice.
0: Bring some supplies. I Mm -hmm. like it.
2: So we do have Wizard World coming up May 17th to the 20th. I will be there if you guys want to hang out and play some games. We also have on April 29th, International Game Day. Uh, we'll be on the Thread Raiders Twitch channel if you guys want to come hang out and follow us. Uh, we're going to be playing a lot of video games, tabletop games, RPGs, might even do a play test um, from somebody on Twitter. Um, we'll leave it as a surprise guest for now. So that'll and- be a few
0: things throughout the day.
2: It will be, yeah. Cool. Um, we're thinking about doing it all throughout the day and night. And we also have the Extra Life fundraiser, which is November 3rd. It's going to be 24 hours straight of gaming nonstop Whoa. from Thread Raiders. It's all for a good cause for Children's Hospital. You can check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Discord, Reddit, Tumblr. <laughs>
0: yeah. we're I guess there. they can just search Thread Raiders, right? Absolutely. Oh, yeah.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Blogspot 2. two. two. <laughs>
0: I like it. All right. That's all I got. Sounds That's good. It.
2: That's all she uh, wrote. Guys, okay, have a we good out. week.
0: Yeah. Later.